0: this intuitive part so it really comes from from what feels right or how to listen to to those moments that you're mm, no this doesn't work or mm, it doesn't feel to right. me like the enlightened artist is not just self-oriented but also self-aware and able to hopefully allow other people to experience a certain level of it's self-awareness because I realize I'm not doing the work the heavy lifting the dancing alone There's a partner out there with an outstretched hand and our arm. Because there's two of us, then all I need to do is just meet them halfway. with artists from around the globe about the work behind their work. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith and not only am I the host of this podcast, but I am a choreographer and contemporary dancer based in Tangier, Morocco. Being fascinated by unique perspectives, my goal is to bring you an in-depth look at each artist's individual creative process, learning more about what it is that drives a person to create. So today, I am doing something a little bit different. Although I guess I did one last season, so it's not that different. But I'm doing a solo mini sewed. I thought it would be kind of fun to do these about midway every season. Of course, the seasons are ending up to be nine episodes. So, you know, roughly as halfway as possible. I think it's just kind of a nice way to check in. um, Maybe learn a bit more about me, since I'm the host usually asking the questions. And also just to check in about the process of making this actual podcast, because it is a process for me as well, as I'm always saying. So just seeing what I'm learning along the way, what it's making me think about, and you know, sharing a little bit of that with you. And hopefully it's also things that you're reflecting on and thinking about while listening to it as well. So although there have only been 13 interviews so far, I have already started to tease out some common themes and connections between these artists of different mediums and from over at least six different countries. While the artistic process varies and is individualized in many ways, there are also common threads that weave through and bring us creative people a little bit closer together. So as you may have heard from the clips in the beginning, the main thread that I am talking about today that has emerged as I've been listening back and just reflecting back on a lot of my conversations is something that guides artistic decisions and risks. Intuition. It's a quality that almost every artist has talked about sensing within themselves in one way or another, and one that I see very much reflected in myself as well. So first of all, how can we maybe define intuition? I think it appears in different forms to each person, but at its base, I see it as that small voice or just a sense within you that lets you know what feels right and what definitely does not. That last one is usually what's a little bit more clear for me. I always think about this quote, actually. After hearing an interview with Mary Catherine Bateson, who's the daughter of Margaret Mead, I heard an interview with her on on Being, and I read all of her books, and found this quote in her book With a Daughter's Eye, where she says, "...the process is one of listening for resonance between the inner and the outer, an echo that brings the attention into focus." I like to think of intuition in this way. Sometimes intuition creeps slowly up on you and is a process in itself to realize, and sometimes it just fully smacks you in the face. I have a story to tell you today of the latter. It's the story of why I am technically on paper a college dropout, if you did not know. So here's the story. During my second year at Oberlin College, while a lot of my friends were starting to plan study abroad semesters for the following year, I came to the realization that I was much more interested in traveling on my own than being part of a program. I've never very much liked organized group trips, being told where to stay, what to see, and just you know, generally feeling like I'm being herded around, a little bit like a sheep around a foreign country. Not to completely shit on group trips. I think there's a lot that can be said about having a guide and learning a lot about the lo- local culture through that guide, but it's just personally not for me. I like to be a little bit more independent when I travel. So because of this, I decided to take an entire gap year, buy a 65 liter backpack, and travel around Europe for 9 months straight. Already making this decision was a mixture of strong intuition, and also just knowing myself and what kind of travel appealed to me. I decided to opt for cheap hostels and last minute train tickets and flights over the comfort of planned outings and homestays. A lot of my friends joked about the fact that I would never come back, but I honestly wasn't planning on leaving for good. I thought I would just take a year to see what was out there, then come back and finish up my dance major degree before I officially launched myself out into the world again. That was the plan. Right away, though, traveling started to open up my eyes to the limits of my own previous worldview and how being in different places and especially meeting people from different countries and cultures educated me in a way that I had been sorely lacking at school. My curiosity came back in full force and I felt confident, I felt driven, motivated in ways that I really hadn't before. I visited a college friend in Paris who was studying abroad there and she even said to me, I have never seen you this happy before. That was really the first external sign that started to echo within me. However, I will never forget the exact moment that what had been bubbling up under the surface of myself smacked me full in the face. So that same friend and I were on a bus to Dublin, having just seen the absolutely breathtaking cliffs of Moher. And I don't know if it was the impact and force of such a powerful natural scene or what, but as I was staring out the window, as I do, you know, as you do on bus rides, just lazily watching the scenery rush by, it was as if a voice suddenly just said in my head, you are not going back to school. And I just knew it. There There was no way I could go back. I couldn't return to a tiny town in Ohio after seeing what the wider world had to offer. I didn't need to rationally think it through, make any pro or con lists, or even think it out with anyone. My intuition told me, loud and clear, that I should not go back, and I knew that if I didn't listen, I would probably regret it. This really wasn't an easy choice to make for me, being someone who defined herself as an A student, academically driven, and without anything else in mind after high school besides going to college and getting a degree but there i was on a bus in rural ireland listening to my true self and flipping my whole life on its head it's funny because still to this day i will sometimes have these creeping doubts that come from external fears things like will i be taken seriously without a degree will it hinder my opportunities artistically but the truth is it won't because the decision came from such a true real place of self that when i really tune back into that place i have no regrets and no doubts I am in the beautiful place that I am now in my life and my work thanks to that decision and many others following it that were also led by my strong sense of intuition. So I feel quite fortunate that my inner voice is probably even louder and more vocal than my normal speaking voice. It really tells me when things aren't quite right and eases me when I know I'm on the right track. However, it's a practice to be able to listen to this voice and heed it when there are tough decisions, both creative and life decisions, to be made. When we're at a point of feeling stuck in the creative process, how can we let our intuition guide us through? I thought I would share a couple collected and reflected on practical tips for sharpening your own intuitive strength. So the first tip is to discover and define your core values. This is something that I talked about in the episode with Sana Clifford, who is the choreographer from Amsterdam. We talked a lot about being able to define your one core value and how valuable that is when you're working with a team or you're collaborating, and how that can also guide you in the decisions that you make creatively. So hers was authenticity, which also relates to intuition, because if you're being authentic to your intuitive voice, you always know that you're going to be making the right decisions for you and your team. So if you have that core value defined and maybe it's something different, maybe your core value is curiosity or creativity or family or courage. It could be a number of things. You can often find little tests or something online or just take some time reflecting with yourself on what that core value may be. You can even choose a top three if it's too difficult to narrow it down to one. Um, But just knowing this for yourself can help you tune into that voice a little bit more because often this voice is going to be speaking from a place of that value. So when you know that this value is something that matters to you and something that is guiding your life, it's always going to play a factor in what your intuition is telling you. So being able to define that for yourself, I find very helpful. I did my own practice of um, trying to narrow down my core value through Brené Brown's book. I think, it, I keep forgetting which one it was, but I think it was Dare to Lead or uh, Daring Greatly, one of the two, anyway. She has this whole exercise uh, where you can figure out your top, I think it's your top three values. I know for sure that one of mine was courage. I need to go back and check it out again, what the other two were, but I do know that courage was one of them, which which makes a lot of sense because a lot of these big decisions that I have made through my intuition are things that take a certain kind of courage because it's jumping outside of the box. It's taking a path that I didn't plan on and that is a bit more unforaged. It's something that I'm going to have to figure out for myself and I don't necessarily have as many... Um, guidelines leading me where I'm going. I'm figuring it out as I go. And that is definitely something that takes courage. So it's something that I value working on in myself and also something I value in other people that I work with. The second piece of advice or practical tip that I will give you is um, to do some free writing. So some kind of journaling that really no one else ever has to see. I believe that journaling should be completely for yourself. It can sound as Dumb or as silly as you need it to. um, Just doing some sort of stream of consciousness writing can often kind of maybe unlock that place of intuition. And sometimes I find myself writing and realizing things as I'm writing that. And I, I believe that's that voice, that's that intuition within myself that's coming out through the paper and making itself clearer to me. So that is a good, very practical exercise to do with yourself when you're feeling a little bit lost or stuck. In your own artistic process the third one would be to talk it out with a trusted individual in your life but be careful with this one because sometimes there is a chance of letting other people's judgments and opinions sway you that's why I specify a trusted individual so someone that knows you quite well and is there just to listen to you and maybe offer a little bit of support but but more so just be a sounding board for your ideas and what you're thinking about. And in the same way as writing, sometimes you can find yourself saying something that maybe you didn't even know was within you. And, and it's that voice of intuition feeling free to let itself out. So the fourth piece of advice is probably the most abstract and maybe not quite as practical. But it is simply to trust yourself to have faith in yourself and this mysterious creative process that you're going through. Mystery is something that I talked about a lot with Yahya Lababidi, the poet and aphorist. And having faith in your process is also having faith in yourself. And it might be a hard thing to cultivate and a hard thing to practice, but it is imperative to tuning into your intuition. And I think just imperative to the process as well. So enjoy the mysteriousness of it all and just have faith in your own intuitive voice. That's all I have on that subject for you today. Um, I would love to hear your own thoughts about this subject. So, so if you would like to discuss this topic of intuition, you can find me over on Instagram at Process Peace or at Ruby Josephine Smith or on Facebook, Ruby Josephine Smith. Um, you can also send me an email whatever way you'd like to talk about this, I would love to hear your own stories of following your intuition. Um, If you have any other questions about the topic or any of your own experiences or advice for how to tune deeper into that place within yourself finish out this solo episode, because it's usually me asking the questions, I thought I would flip that around and give you guys a chance to ask some questions. I put out a little call on Instagram um, and I got several responses. I'm going to be answering three of them today. So the first question that I received is, what inspires you in Tangier to practice dance and art? There's so many things that inspire me here. Um, I mean, Practicing dance and art is something that just comes from within me naturally, but I do look for inspiration within this city and living here. And here, I think I'm inspired to practice it even more by the fact that there's not a lot that exists on the surface already. There is definitely an art scene here, and I believe it's growing and starting to thrive even more. But it's it's still in its beginning. It's still quite underground, and the artists here don't always have the support and recognition that they need. Um, so I figure by trying to just continue to make work and putting it out there, putting it out there for people to see, I feel like it's an exchange with the city, you know, it's an exchange with the place that I live. And so I'm inspired by that. I'm I'm motivated by the community because I can see that especially so many young people here are also so motivated. They really want to create, they want to learn, um, they want to learn how to dance, how to draw, how to blog, you know, whatever I think that the internet is really opening up a lot for young people. And so I'm really inspired to be there for that, you know I'm um, I'm happy to be able to contribute to that and contribute to the growing art scene that exists here. Also just on another level, I'm just so, inspired by the communities of women that I see here. I love the fact that when women get together, it's often so musical and it's so performative already. You know, women dance and they sing and they play music together. And I just, I I love that so much. And it makes me, um, I've always been, I think I've always been very female focused in my choreography work. And so learning from the communities of women here in Morocco has also given me a new perspective on how I showcase that in my own choreography. The second one that I decided to answer on here isn't really related to the creative process, but it's something I get asked so often that I just did want to address it briefly. Someone asked me, is it hard to be an American white woman living in Morocco? My immediate answer to that is not as hard as it would be if I were a Moroccan woman, Um, because I do see how much more challenging it is to grow up in this culture and be a woman and have certain expectations placed on you because you're a part of the culture. So I actually think as an American white woman, I have so much privilege and I have this kind of foreign or card that I can choose to play whenever I need to. And I'm given a lot of slack for that. Um, people don't have the same expectations of me. Of course, there are other stereotypes that are placed on me, but I can deal with that. You know, I. I recognize my place as a foreigner here and something i've really tried to navigate and bringing it back to the creative process it's also something i try to navigate as someone leading classes here to other young women and how can i try to empower them through learning more about their own bodies learning more about their own movement um, about how they can create how they can maybe create change so it's it has, of course, being a woman in Morocco in general has its difficulties, but it's it's manageable. And I, like I've said before, there is such a supportive community in response to the harassment and the catcalling. And even then, I don't feel in danger in Tangier. I feel very safe in this country. Um, I always feel like for every bad person, there is a good person who is willing to help you. And I... I would like to believe that's true everywhere in the world, I think some places more than others, but here I've definitely seen that to be true. So it's it's a complex answer, um, I've had, I get so many people asking me that constantly when they find out that I live in Morocco, so I just wanted to address it a little bit here, and you're welcome to a- ask any follow-up questions, and we can chat about that on social media or wherever, but that's my immediate response to that question. The last one that I wanted to answer here is my friend Ellie asked me, what does inspiration mean to you? Um, which is a good question because I throw the word inspiration and inspired and blah, blah, blah around way too much. I try to check myself because I know I use that word a lot. But to me, it really means anything that lights you up. Um, that could be creatively or artistically or otherwise. But inspiration is a feeling and it's, I think, is a personal feeling of when you when you're really paying attention it's it I think maybe it's paired a little bit with this whole concept of mindfulness because you have to be mindful to allow inspiration in um, because inspiration can come from unlikely places as we've probably all heard you know it can be it can come from taking a walk in the city and noticing the way a person is walking or a way person is moving for me as a choreographer that's often something I notice and that's I remember actually Jumana in her episode was talking about that as well you know she notices the way that she places her hand on a doorknob as a piece of choreography I thought that was so beautiful so inspiration can really come from these little places and it's just something that sparks an idea or sparks some sort of feeling of wanting to make something out of it if that makes sense I, I also I keep going back to conversations that I had because they're so inspiring, but again with uh, Sana's conversation, I love that she was talking about being a maker because I, that's something I relate to as well. I do think of myself as someone who makes things, that's why I've always been drawn to choreography over just performance and dance. So for me, inspiration is when something gives me an idea or gives me a drive or a push or a spark to make something. And it could be something different for others. So I'm curious to know if you have your own definition of what inspiration is. Um, Let me know. Because this is a mini-sode, I don't want this to drag on too long. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up um, just by saying a huge thank you for being here and for listening to me ramble and for listening to the conversations that I have so enjoyed having this podcast has already grown in such a short time so much more than I could have expected And I am finding so much joy in it, just connecting with these really inspiring people. I am getting so much from it. And I really hope that you as a listener are getting a lot from it as well. Um, Please let me know. Please send me, like I said, send me an email, send me a message if you've been listening. What's been inspiring you? Also, you know, it just helps if you leave a review on iTunes, you know, it just, it helps for other people to be able to find the podcast and I would love for it to continue to grow so that I can continue to get amazing guests and have these inspiring conversations. There I go again with inspiring, but you know, that's what we're talking about. So if you're not already, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast, wherever you're listening, um, follow me on Instagram at processpeace or at Ruby Josephine Smith for my personal work. You can find the show notes for this episode. I'll be linking to the past episodes that I've referenced and anything else that came up at rubyjosephine.com under the podcast tab. Oh, and you can, I almost forgot, you can also um, subscribe to my newsletter. I recently announced that I have stopped blogging. Um, Blogging used to be a big part of my writing practice, but it was starting to create a little bit of burnout for me just because it's something so regular and you feel like you're kind of speaking out into a void. So my intuition, there it is again, was telling me to maybe move away from blogging, move towards more just the newsletter writing. That just brings me more joy. So I am writing more and focusing more on my newsletter, which is called The Sunday Pancake, thanks to my weekly rituals. And it's kind of an ode to ritual in general, the ritual of the creative process. I write a little bit more about the creative process there. And I always also share the latest podcast episodes directly to your inbox. So, if you're interested in that you can sign up at rubyjosephine.com slash subscribe or there are also little boxes all over my website that make it very easy to subscribe so thank you so much for listening to this Um, I hope you got something from it again please let this start a discussion a conversation because we all should have more conversations about the importance of art thank you so much to Cooper Smith my brother for making music for this podcast I'll talk to you guys again next time